You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's sermon is preached by Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear Saints, Spiritual Warfare, Part 1, Jesus and the Victory. Next week, the Gospel lesson will be uh, Jesus casting out a demon, and we'll have Part 2, dealing with the demons, and then the week after that, we'll hear the gospel lesson where Jesus tells the parable of the strong man, and that will be spiritual warfare part three, something like guard duty, armor, and prayer. But today we want to introduce this topic of spiritual warfare, and remember that we are engaged in it. I suppose that is the first point, that we dare not forget that we are engaged in a spiritual battle against the devil and his demons who want to destroy us and consume us, who want to take from us our faith, and if they cannot take our faith, they want to take from us every other gift of God. Paul writes in Ephesians 6 these words, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers of this present darkness. We wrestle against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, that is probably enough to consider, that you and I are wrestling with the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Now, why there is this battle and how this battle has gone in the past, we can trace through the lessons that we had today read already. We see that it began already in the Garden of Eden, where the devil, the ancient serpent, came to tempt our parents, Adam and Eve, and they they fell. They took the fruit forbidden by God, they ate of it, and they plunged themselves and all of creation into sin and disobedience and death. They ate of the fruit. And as God promised, dying, they would die. It's hard to translate that from the Hebrew, but that's what the Lord says. On the day that you eat of it, dying, you will die. There will be two deaths. The first would be a spiritual death, the loss of the image of God, the loss of love and trust in God. And the second is a physical death that leads to eternal destruction. We see the picture of this first death, this spiritual death, already in the garden. When Adam and Eve see that they're naked, they sew together fig leaves, they think that all is well, but then the text says they heard the sound of the Lord in the garden, walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid themselves from God. To imagine this almost brings tears to your eyes. That Adam and Eve, the, the, the sound that would have brought Adam and Eve the greatest joy should have been the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. But instead of bringing them joy, instead of running to meet the Lord, to grab a hold of His legs, to tell them all the things they've learned, to receive from Him gifts, instead of this, they turn and they run from God and they hide in the bushes, afraid of God, rightly afraid of God, thinking that He is going to destroy them. And He should have destroyed them. I mean, here the Lord created all of these things the universe, and everything in it. And he looked at it, and he said it's very good, but now he has to look at it and say that it's very bad. 
that Adam and Eve have ruined everything, that the stars are exploding because of what they've done, that death and war and sickness and trouble and pain and all of the things that we have in this life, all are flowing from that first forbidden meal. God was right to be angry, and they were right to be afraid. But look at what happens. I mean, it's stunning to think about it, how there's Adam and Eve, who aren't apparently too pleased with one another. Uh, There's Adam, who's afraid of God. Eve, who's afraid of God. Adam and Eve, who are at, at enmity with all of creation. The only place, the only place in that first picture in the garden, the only place that there's peace is between Adam and the devil and Eve, and the devil. There's enmity everywhere else. There's fighting everywhere else, but there's peace there. But the Lord shows up. He calls them out of their hiding place, and He says to them this most wonderful, beautiful, comforting thing. He says, I will put enmity between you, devil, and between the woman and between your seed, sin and death, and between her seed, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will crush your head, and you will crush His heel. This verse is called the Proto-Evangelion, the very first preaching or promise of the Gospel, because in that promise we hear that Eve would give birth to a child who would have the strength of God Almighty to be able to destroy the devil, but in process of destroying the devil, he himself would also be crushed and die. It's in a riddle form, but it is basically the contours of the Apostles' Creed. And the amazing thing about it, now think about that, the amazing thing about this is that is that in these words, God says that on the day that you ate of the fruit, not only are you to die, but now also I am to die. God will die. To destroy the enmity between God and man. To make peace with God and man. And to destroy the works of the devil. That enmity placed in the garden sets Adam and Eve and all the children of Adam and Eve to be at war with the devil and all of his minions, the demons. And from that point on, the history of humanity, from then until now, has been a history of this battle. We don't battle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. It's always been this way, and it will be until the end. But in this battle against the demons, and against sin and death. We have recorded all throughout the Scriptures loss after loss after loss. Even when we see the heroes of the faith, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Noah, Moses, David, all the prophets, we see a history of of those called by God to be holy, but falling to the temptation of the devil. All of them are sinners. All of us are sinners. All of us have been tempted by the devil, and all of us have fallen to that temptation. But finally, one comes on the scene, and things are quite different. The Holy Spirit, after His baptism, sends Jesus out into the wilderness to fast for 40 days and to be tempted in every way by the devil. 
We have three of those temptations recorded for us. The temptation of hunger to follow his own passions, turn the rock into bread. The temptation of false doctrine, where the devil misuses Psalm 91 to tempt Jesus to jump off the temple and tempt God. And the temptation of power. Worship me, and I'll give you all the nations of the world. But in the wilderness, your Jesus stood where your Adam and Eve fell. Jesus, in every way, resisted the devil. He used God's word all three times. He quoted from the book of Deuteronomy to overthrow the devil's temptation. And the text says the devil left him for an opportune time. Jesus, and it's, we'll talk about this, I think, next week. Jesus was giving us an example of how we fight back against the devil. No doubt how we use God's word to beat back the temptations of the devil. But more than that was happening when Jesus was in the wilderness. Jesus was not just there to show us how to do it. He was there doing it for us. He was standing and being righteous and holy where Adam fell so that the second Adam begins the work of overthrowing the devil in the wilderness and he finishes that work in the cross and the resurrection. John tells us that for this reason the Son of God was manifest, that He might destroy the works of the devil. Or I'm going to read you a few passages from Colossians. Listen to this. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. Paul writes, And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He has made alive together with Him, having forgiven all your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, having taken them out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, and then this, verse 15, having disarmed principalities and powers, He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in the cross. It's absolutely fantastic. Or Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Jesus has won the victory over the devil. He has bound him. He has cast him down. He has overthrown his power. And Jesus now sits on the throne of God and rules and reigns with all things being placed under his feet. Jesus kept the promise that God gave to Adam and Eve in the garden. His heel was crushed, but the devil's head was destroyed. Absolutely fantastic. So that the enmity between us and the devil has come to a, has come to a head in the death of Jesus. And Jesus has triumphed. And this is the situation in which we find ourselves now. But there's a problem, I think. Uh, the scripture tells us of the triumph of Jesus over the devil, but our eyes tell us a different story. We look around this world and we see trouble on every side. We hear of another tragedy unfolding in a school of all places. Murder and, and death and suffering. And we say, how could it possibly be that Jesus is ruling and reigning and that the devil himself is bound? 
There's two things, and this, I think, is a problem. We, on the one hand, see the apparent triumph of the devil in the world, and on the other hand, we feel individually, spiritually troubled and weak. We don't feel like we have have attained some sort of success over the devil. We feel individually like the devil is raking us over the coals. And not just us, but our family and our friend and our neighbors and the whole culture. It looks to us like the devil is winning. And the result of this is a spiritual pessimism. You can tell me if I'm wrong, but I think that this is the case. A spiritual pessimism and a growing sense of hopelessness and a growing sense of helplessness, like the devil himself, is winning. And Christ and his people are losing. Now, I think, then, that what we need to hear when it comes to spiritual warfare, first, is the call to fight. The rallying cry. St. Paul uses this analogy when he talks about war in the ancient world. The, the, the troops would be directed by trumpets and the generals would blow certain trumpet sounds and the people would then go and rally, go this way or charge or retreat or whatever it is, that the trumpet would sound and people would rally to battle. We need to hear that trumpet. And it sounds something like this. Paul says to Timothy, this is 1 Timothy chapter 1, he says, fight the good fight holding to the faith, and having a good conscience. We we want to hear this morning very clearly the call from the Scripture to engage in spiritual battle, to take up the weapons that the Lord has given to us and to use them against the spiritual forces of evil. To know that the devil is never going to stop fighting you And so we, with the strength of God, fight back. Now, I want to especially talk next week about the fighting and the contours of the fight, the weapons that we use in the fight, the armor that the Lord has given us to fight, and the actions that we take as we do battle against the demons. But I want to to end today with the idea uh, firmly planted in your mind That in this battle, you are safe. You are protected. That while it looks like the devil and the demons are winning the day, that is only a trick that they use. It is a lie. And we are set in this world to walk by faith and not by sight. To know that the devil has been destroyed, that all things are placed under his feet, but as we learn in Hebrews chapter 2, we just don't see it yet. So for your comfort, a few verses about our safety in spiritual battle. 1 John chapter 5, verse 18. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he has been born of God, keeps himself, And, are you ready? The wicked one does not touch him. If you are born of God, the wicked one cannot touch you. 
Earlier in 1 John, chapter 2, verse 14, he writes, I have written to you, fathers, because you have known Him who is from the beginning. And I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the Word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. My favorite is from Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, which says that just as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, He has partaken of the same, that through death He might destroy him who has the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Or lastly, this is what Jesus says, Luke chapter 10, verses 17 to 20. The 70 returned to Jesus with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. And, ready? I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means harm you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. We battle the devil, but we do it first with confidence, not with fear, with faith, knowing that Jesus has overcome the wicked one and that even now He is using His church to trample the devil under our feet. Because Jesus stood where Adam fell. Jesus triumphed where Adam Adam, uh, uh, failed. Jesus overcame the devil where Adam and Eve were overcome by Him. And dear saints, He did all of this for you. So remember, we are engaged in spiritual warfare. We fight against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. But we are fighting a battle that has already been won. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.